Across the Park podcast is proud to be sponsored by Globe Gas and Heating. For the best kitchen and bathroom renovations, boiler servicing and repair, and central and underfloor heating in the Northwest, head over to globecentralheating.com and quote Across the Park for a free quote. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Across the Park podcast and oh my god I've missed that intro, didn't think I'd be saying that at the end of last season but I actually have. I uh, just want to introduce my uh, guest for this evening, Russ Goldman from the Cottage Talk podcast. Russ, thank you very much for joining us mate. Thanks for having me on, I look forward to doing the show with you. Appreciate it and for anyone who, any of the Blues or Fulham fans who haven't seen this this feature of our podcast before. This is where we speak to the opposition and preview the game. So I won't be going too heavy on the Everton side. If you're looking for that, then Millsy has been joined by good friends of the show, Darren, this week to go through the Everton side of this preview. So without further ado, Russ, I'm going to kick off with a few questions, if that's okay. Let it rip. First of all, mate, um, a couple of Everton links, if you like, or the, the most significant Everton link being Marco Silva. Now, we, we spoke to some Fallen fans last year who were, who were pleased with Marco Silva's contribution. Before we talk about the game itself, the squads, etc., talk to me about the, the impact that Marco Silva's had since joining the club. Massive. Incredible, to be honest with you. And um, there were doubts about him coming because of uh, the way it ended with Everton and his past in the Premier League. But I can mm-hmm. just tell you that ever since he started with Fallen when we were in the Championship and now in the Premier League, it's been just incredible to the point where I'm here to tell you that in regards to Fulham right now, he's the most valuable person besides ownership because you need owners to run the club. But besides that, it starts and ends with Marco Silva. It's very important for whatever Fulham do that they back him to give him the tools that he needs to have a successful season. And Marco's really just, I can't say enough good things and like any manager, he only wants more. And uh, we're in the transfer window, so he's not happy. And I'm used to that with managers. Every manager complains yeah. about the transfer window. But I can just tell you that um, my litmus test for a good manager is, do the players improve underneath the manager? And I can't tell you, the numbers are staggering of players that have gotten better under Silva. So when you see even a player like William, who people had doubts on with what happened to him at Arsenal and then from that on, comes in, fits in perfectly. I will tell you that even someone like Mitro has improved under Silva. Mm. The list goes on on Tim Ream. We were about to give up on Tim Ream. Has a second life under Silva. Player after player have improved um- under his tutelage. Anthony Robinson, another one as well. Anthony Robinson is, is another oh, wonderful one. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that you brought him up with a, obviously with, with a link to Everton. And I'll just yeah. tell you that it's funny because I've had my doubts on Jedi because he's not a good crosser of the ball. But I will tell mm. you that he's improved defensively. Yeah. He runs like a gazelle up and down the pitch. He really is just an incredible athlete. So for me it was really fine-tuning his game. And I'm going to give Silva and his staff a lot of credit for that. Yeah, fair enough. And do you know what? I'm delighted for both of them. 
more so Marco Silva. He didn't get a fair crack of the wicket, Evan. Now, I'll get some criticism for, from some of the fans for, for making that statement, but anyone who's followed our podcast for the last five years and remembers when Marco Silva was in charge will know that I was a big fan of Marco Silva, big fan of his work. He didn't get the backing or the support from the club. He was thrown under the bus with some of the signings that were made that were not suitable. And he wasn't given the full support, but you know, but by anyone, you know, at the club, and that that includes the fans. And look, look, you know, it, football fans, football in general is is a fickle. It's a, you know, we're very, um, we've got very short fuses when it comes to, to managers and coaches. That that's an unfortunate part of of football and the Premier League. And, and Marco Silva fell foul of that, but I'm delighted he's doing doing well. And, and I had all faith that if he was given the back and if he was given support. If he was given time, that he would do a job, you know, really strong job somewhere, and I'm, I'm happy that it's that it's at a, you know, it's a good full, a good club like Fulham. Yeah, listen, we are fortunate to have him to the point that right now he's in the last season of his contract, and that's almost like a cloud hanging over Fulham. And mm. if you listen to my show or other shows, we're all of the belief that he has been given an option for a three-year deal. There's different reports on that, but he is holding off. And I think part of that has to do with I that he wants to be proven that they're going to back him this summer. And I have, I'm hoping that once we get through the transfer window, that you see a new contract signed for Marco mm -hmm. Silva, but it is a little bit of a cloud hanging over foam right now because he's that important to us right now. I mean, th that's the only, I think, question mark with Marco Silva is that, is his loyalty to some extent? I mean, the way that he he reacted and and he you know he acted at, at Waffle, I should say, when you know that we, he was flirted with by Everton, there was the interest from Everton, and he almost down tools to you know to to some extent to 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 pave the way for that move. Got himself sacked. Everton then came in. There was a there was a long wrangle between um, Everton and Waffle over that. We had to pay compensation in the end because it was deemed that we had unsettled him, you know, and, and, and caused him to leave his position. And that's the thing. I hope, I hope for, for the sake of Marco Silva's career that he, that he holds on. And I wouldn't say holds on, it's the wrong term. I hope that he sticks around and continues to, you know, to, 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 to develop himself as a coach. Because despite the great work he's done there, he's still developing. He is still developing. You can see that. He's getting better. He's definitely improving. But I think he needs you know, three, four, five, six seasons at a club to really establish himself and, and to get the best out of himself? Well, I'll give you an example of how I think he's developed along with his coaching staff. It's the change of basically tweaking how Fulham play from the championship to the Premier League. Now, the style of play is still on the front foot all the time, but he had to adjust how he played because he wasn't going to have the ball as much. So a huge key to Fulham was bringing in Jao Polina because that allows him to basically protect that back four and break quickly once Fulham have the ball. And it's still an aggressive style. Fulham don't sit back. They go for it. And it's just a matter of how much of the ball they get. In the championship, they had it a lot. So he had to adjust the style of play still within that style for the Premier League. And I would even say against Everton last season, he had to adjust without Mitro. He has Dan James up front, and it worked. And I'm like, okay, do this a little bit more when you need to do it. So he is willing to tweak how he plays. And that is, like you mentioned, a good sign of growth for Marco Silva. Definitely. And, and just moving briefly beyond Marco Silva, you just touched on two players that I wanted to mention. I mean, first of all, you know, Marco Silva, 
it seems is somewhat disgruntled by the, the lack of support from the board in terms of incomings. But is it not a massive boost that it seems that Jao Polino is going to be sticking around? Is that not a huge boost and, and a sign of the club's intentions? Absolutely. And uh, what's funny about all this is that Fulham have been in what I would call this entire summer chaos because you've had links with the Saudi clubs with Marco. Mm -hmm. You've had Jalpulia with the Premier League, but you've also had Mitro. So what's interesting is that Fulham have basically buckled what would be the normal trend to sell their two best players. I actually think Polina is your best player. So Mm -hmm. they have said no. They've rejected offers from West Ham. Same situation with Mitro. They have backed Marco. It's just about bringing in the players that he wants. They have not sold their really their best players. And it's funny because Tony Khan did an interview over here a few weeks ago, and he basically spelled out that his intent was to hold on to his star players. Up to this point, things can change. He's done that. So, So I know Marco's frustrated that we don't have more signings. I'm frustrated too. But in a way, they have backed him. Yeah, I, I agree. To be honest, sometimes that's the hardest thing. When you've had a really strong season, you've had some outstanding players come to the fore. That's the hardest thing is retaining them. You know, Brighton have seen that go on and try and replace them is, is a big job as well. And if you haven't got an outstanding recruitment team, you have made a couple of additions. Um, Calvin Bassi and Raul Jimenez being the, the two you know notable ones. Do, do those players, I mean, Raul Jimenez, Jimenez I guess it depends on, on Mitrovic, but... Does Calvin Bassey come straight into that team? Well, it's an interesting uh, discussion because I was actually on another Fulham podcast this morning. We were talking just about that because Calvin Bassey has really impressed since coming from Ajax. He's actually Mm -hmm. did tremendous in our last match against Hoffenheim. And actually, I watched him play against Chelsea and I thought he played well. He, I think right now, it's his position now. Tim Ream is coming back from an injury, so it kind of makes Marco's decision-making a little bit easier because uh, Tim Ream has been fantastic. But they needed to upgrade at that position. You're going to have Diop on one side, and on the other side, I believe you will have Bassey. So in my mm-hmm. mind, I think Bassey starts against Everton. Tim Ream is still out there. I don't think he's up to full fitness yet. So I, I think that makes the decision pretty easy for Marco, but we'll see, you know, he surprised me before, but, and it's funny because uh, Tim Ream, I know wants that position. He's going to fight for it, but Calvin Bassey has been tremendous. And I'll also say about Jimenez, Jimenez looks like he fits right in. He has played two matches with Fulham and it looks a little bit different than what it would be with Mitro, but he looks like he fits Mm -hmm. into the style of play. So for me, these are two positive signings. I think that they got these two right so far. Very different as well. I think Jimenez is a really shrewd signing. The money, the money you pay for him, and obviously it's it's linked to the injuries, the couple of you know substantial injuries he's had. But he's a proven Premier League goal scorer. Not only that, he holds the ball off very well. I know that Marco Silva will stick to where he can that four-two-three-one, and he's perfect to lead that line. Just on that subject, is it going to be four-two-three-one that we see at the weekend? It's going to be interesting. I, I'm not exactly sure because it all matters upon what happens with Jao Polina. Because Jao Polina, mm-hmm. I went to a match in Philadelphia and Fulham were very light at center back. So Marco decides to play Jao Polina at center back and he got really? injured. He got uh, he got injured. 
So we'll see what ends up happening. But if he does not play, I think it would be Lukic and Reed, and then in the number 10 role would be Pereira. We'll, we'll have to see. Okay, fair enough. Um, so in, in terms of the you know the Evertonians who are watching this podcast, you've mentioned a few names anyway. I mean, look, that, that game, that, that display of Goodison, as you, you alluded to earlier, was a really impressive display, display last season, particularly given how much was on the line for Everton to... You know, to come and dispatch of us the way that you did was was impressive. Will we see a similar kind of? I wouldn't say counter attacking, but will will this Fulham team look to try and hit Everton on the break, or do you think it will be you coming here looking to stamp, you know, your authority on that first game and, and maybe take the game to us? I think it's going to be similar to what you saw the last time around. I could be wrong because uh, what's mm. interesting is when we opened up against Liverpool, we saw something that we weren't expecting against Liverpool. That's what's interesting about Marco Silva. Marco Silva knows everything. I was talking about this on this other podcast that I'm not saying that he's got something in for Everton, but he does have yes. a little extra incentive yes, yeah. for this match. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a little tweak to Fulham coming into mm -hmm. this match. I know that they're going to be motivated to get off on the front foot. Talk about points wise, because we then play Brentford and then we follow that up playing Man City and Arsenal. So these first two matches are kind of important for Fulham. So they're going to want to get all three points. The interesting thing about Marco is that, again, they'll they'll press Everton. They're going to try to uh, basically take it to you, but will they have the ball most of the time? I don't know. I don't know what his strategy ultimately will be, but I do know that he plays with no fear, my friend. That's just the way he's always played with Fulham, whether it's on the counter, whether it's trying to control the ball. He will have his team set up to play and win the match. They will not go to Goodison Park looking for a draw. They will be looking for all three points. It's just the way that he's done it with Fulham. And I know that there's a lot of respect for Everton from Silva and also from the Fulham supporters. They don't yeah. like going to Goodison Park. The record is terrible at Goodison <laughs> Park, except for last season, right? And a couple of other matches here and there. But yeah. this has really been a really difficult place for Fulham to play. But what I've noticed, again, under Silva is that he's kind of trying to flip the script on a lot of things that we see as the norm. Like, I mean, we took it to Liverpool. I mean, that's not like Fulham yeah. to take it to Liverpool. They've even did it with Man City and Arsenal. They were not afraid to play against them. So, um, listen, I'm hopeful for the match, but I do think that whatever his game plan will be, it will be to play with no fear. Yeah, and... and it couldn't be any more polar opposite, to be honest, in terms of the styles of the managers and the current styles of what's the styles, the mentality of the teams. We we, we play with a lot of fear. <laughs> uh, we, we've got we, we're lacking goals, you know. Whereas you guys seem to be able to get goals from from multiple areas of the pitch. Um, we, we, again, I don't expect us to see Calvert Lewin from the start, which is going to be a huge blow. But the managers pretty much put pay to that that he's not going to be ready to start oh. the game, which means it'll be. The blunt Neil Morpay leading the line, which which will just be food and drink for your two centre backs. You know he's not a he's not a centre forward. I mean he, he can play off a forward. He he can be a nuisance. But Calvin Bassey and 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 um, who is Diop will just absolutely eat him up. Uh, I have Sim Ream in there likewise. So it, it's um you know it's more it, it's going to be almost like a fluid six that you see kind right. of attacking for us where we're going to try and get men forward. Decore will try and run in behind. And by the way, you were unfortunate there. I think you almost got Decore 
just under the noses of us when Frank Lampard was in charge, and that would have been a, a cracking signing because right. I know Silver does like Decore as well. Silver wanted him badly. He did. Yeah, and, and it was a good time. You, you picked the timing perfectly, and it was just, I think the manager just come in to, to save the day, but it would have been a really good snip because Decore saved us. He saved us at the end of last season, and, and it looks like at the start of the season, in the absence of any signings, you know, it doesn't look like any, anyone else is going to come through this all right now, that it's going to be him that we look for to try and try and make the breakthrough. Okay, very good. But, I do. I have one question for you because well, Fulham are linked to Damari Gray. So what I would, yeah. I'm curious your thoughts on Damari Gray. Um, do you know what? You, you made a point about William before uh, his time at Arsenal. Very similar in terms of he's got he's got the capability to score, you know, fantastic goals, to win games, to be an absolute, you know, game changer. But then he's so hot and cold. Um, he, he can be he can give he can be very wasteful in possession, but he's got he's got a lot of outstanding attributes. He's very quick. He, he's got you know he's got great feet. He's got a cracking you know um, shot shot on him from outside the box. He scored some spectacular goals for us. He's not bad from set pieces as well. Again, if he can be consistent with it, if Marco Silva can do what he's done with Willian, who I think has got you know again some outstanding attributes, I think he could be a really good player for you. I think he suits. Without doubt, your style of play a lot more than us. It's it's a it's a frustrating thing for us as Evertonians because we look at our forwards and he's the one that stands out in terms of his capabilities. However, we know deep down he just doesn't fit Sean Dyche. He doesn't fit this team. So I think it's a good deal for both for both clubs. If I'm honest, if we can get the the right price, which I believe is in the region of twelve million, I think that's good money for us. I think it's a good deal for you because I don't think there's many players around that price tag that you can get who can give you what Amari Gray can give you. So I actually think it, it would be a, one of them where both clubs should just get the deals on now, shake hands and go, look, right. let's get it done. Um, but yeah, I, I, listen, I, I, he goes with the blessing of Evertonians. I think he's he's not one of those players where we're happy to see him go. He's also not one of them players that we're, you know, we're, we're devastated to lose, you know, for different reasons, if that makes sense. No, it does. And uh, I was actually listening to the Blue Room podcast, another very good podcast about yeah. Everton this morning, and they had some great commentary. I wanted to just catch up on Everton and also listen to your podcast as well. And that was one of the subjects that we're talking about, Damari Gray. And very interesting, very honest feelings on that it really comes down to the manager style. And I get that. That's why I think it might be a good win-win for everyone involved. Yeah, I agree. And and it's just, you know, it seems to be the trend now. Everything's dragging on. And, and my feeling is that the, the club are holding on to try and get someone in to make sure that we're not left short, which, we, which we've been before, which I, I understand to some extent. But it would be very frustrating for both us and Damari Gray if he was made to stick around just because we were short of numbers. Um, right. and, and I guess it would be for yourself. So hopefully that gets done sooner rather than later. I mean, I, I guess the last thing to consider from our perspective, and we've been joking about this as Evertonians, is let's just wait until the Fulham game's got done and then then make the deal because right. there was no doubt that if he signed for you, he was going to score at Goodison at the weekend. <laughs> it was just an absolute nap. Right. They were joking on this podcast It'll happen on Sunday, right? It'll happen yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. So we'll we'll That's see. It. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I I like that uh, you're honest with me. And like I said, this other part, great podcast by the way, covering Everton. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad that I've really been catching up with it. And listen, me personally, I have nothing against Everton at all. In fact, if I was to be on one side of Liverpool and Everton, I'm on Everton. I'm 
if I'm <laughs> if I'm supporting one over the other, I can't stand Liverpool. So I, I don't know yeah, if that – I'm not saying that to have people like Cotton Stark right. or like me, no. but I'm on the blue side there. No, in fact, I appreciate that, Russ. And I, I don't think you're alone in terms of Premier League clubs. You hear that a lot. Um, but, but yeah, thanks, thanks for the kind words. But listen, let's let's get down to brass tacks. Then give us a prediction. Sure. Um, I'll give you mine as well. So go on. Okay. Off you go. Okay. So my prediction, actually, you kind of filled me in on on one of the reasons why I was leading to this prediction. It's going to come down to two players. I don't know if Paulinho is going to play. I'd feel better about the prediction I'm going to make if he plays. I don't know if he's going to play, and I'm not sure if Mitro is going to start. But I have faith in who we have behind him in Jimenez. Because Calvert-Lewin, as you're telling me, it's unlikely to play. Dwight McNeil is unlikely to play. I feel a little bit more yeah. confident. Fulham really need this to get off on a, on a strong foot. I'm actually going for Fulham victory. I'm going to say 2-0. It's only because I don't like predicting 1 or 2-1. to one. I, I like a little buffer. So I'm going 2-0, but I could be very easily wrong on this because obviously it's the first match of the season. Fulham are terrible at Goodison Park, but I'm going to back my team on this. No, fair enough, mate. Completely respect that. Um, I'm going to sit massively on the fence and I'm going to go for 1-1. Um, okay. I, I was going to say 0-0, but I don't believe that, we've, that, we, that, that we'll, we're that we capable of keeping you out. Um, so I, I do think you guys will score. I think we'll nick one off a set piece. I think what I've seen in the preseason games, we've been doing a lot of work on set pieces. That's been a feature of Sean Dyche's team's play since he's come in, as, as we always seem to have a a little trick up our sleeves from set pieces. I don't, I'm not saying that, that Marco Silva is not um, capable, but he does, that tends to be the chink in his armour, if I'm honest, is, is at times defending set pieces and sometimes his team's going to sleep. So I, I think we might have to rely on that. Um, I do think that we will score first, but I think it'll then be followed by a lot of possession from you guys and, and eventually a, an, a, an equaliser late on in the game. Okay, well, that. fair enough, my friend, fair enough. That's me. But listen, Russ, that, that was absolutely perfect for us and, and, and our our, um, our listeners. Really appreciate your time. And I'll say, I would say best of luck for this weekend, but I absolutely wouldn't mean it. Um, <laughs> but best of luck, best of luck for the season in any case. Okay. I was going to say best of luck the rest of the season to you as well you and all the Everton supporters. And beat Liverpool. How about that? Maybe that gets me a little a little love there. But oh, I, absolutely. And I'm being honest with you, as someone that lives here in Boston. Okay, the ownership of Liverpool is John Henry, who owns the Red Sox, owns Liverpool. And uh, he, let's just put it aside, I'm not happy with him as an owner. I'm not happy with him, so I don't want Liverpool to do great. So I'm all about Everton <laughs> against Everton versus Liverpool. <laughs> Love it, Russ. You, you've gained some supporters without doubt. And, and listen, we look forward to catching up to you and with up, up with you, sorry, in the reverse fixture. Please, do. hopefully, at Please that do. point, we're in, hopefully at that point, we're in a decent position in the league, and we can we talk about looking up anyway. Sounds good, top man. Thanks a lot, Russ. Take care. Okay.